Hey, hey, what's happening, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So today I have the pleasure of welcoming Tony Vargas to the show. Tony lives in Qatar, which is right now it's two o'clock in the morning. Tony, are you freaking nuts, man? It's two o'clock in the morning. You should be in bed. Well, I try to convince you to start the show a little <laughs> earlier, but you were dead set at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But thanks for having me. Uh, I, this is going to be a lot of fun, Tony. You know, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you, you really um, changing your whole day for me and, and probably ruining tomorrow because you're not going to uh, have as much sleep as you're used to. But, uh, you know, and, and we'll, uh, we'll be cognizant there, right? We're not going to do a three-hour show. Maybe two hours? Nah, that's a joke. Right, that's a joke, man. That's a joke. Listen, I, I can I can tell you this much. I see the marathons you pull, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm prepared. I've got I'm loaded with soda everywhere. There you go. Yeah. So I've I've got some serious thunderstorms rolling through here, and I just lost um, power right before the show started, and my generator kicked in. I'm not even sure if I'm on generator power or not, but um, you know the internet's uh, seeming to uh, be intact. So I'm going to uh, keep my fingers crossed that we're not going to. Uh, I'm not going to lose you in the uh, in the live stream, but um, anyway, for for the folks that don't know um, Tony, he is an author, a lecturer, a consultant, and a an admitted reefaholic. He started his aquatic adventures at the age of seven with guppies in a pickle jar. In the early 80s, he assembled his first saltwater aquarium, which was a fish-only tank. Moving on to more challenging waters in the mid 1980s. He experimented with marine invertebrates and corals. In the late 80s, a handful of Aquarius, including Tony, were, the, were among the first in the U.S. to successfully maintain Acropora alive in captivity. Tony began to share his experiences with others through the many articles he wrote in a column titled Feature Coral for Fama Magazine. For those that don't remember Fama, it's Freshwater and Marine Aquatics Magazine. Is that the... Did I get that right? Freshwater? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, one, of the, mm -hmm. one of the Acropora articles in FAMA was acknowledge, uh, acknowledged in Cardin Wallace's textbook on Acropora titled Staghorn Corals of the World. Today, Tony scuba dives around the world, taking underwater photos and observing reef creatures in their natural environment. In addition to writing his experiences and observations, Tony travels to give lectures and cons consultations on coral and reef fish husbandry and aquarium system design. He is in the process of opening up an aquarium shop in Qatar. So, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's quite the, uh, the, uh, the history there, uh, Tony. And we're gonna, uh, we'll dive in a lot of pieces of that. Before we start chatting though, I wanna thank the uh, sponsors of this program, both Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate their support. Also appreciate the support of all you folks out there that are tuning in. I see there's a lot of folks that are finding the stream right now. Let's get those likes up, people. Let's get those likes up. We're uh, we're far behind in terms of people watching versus the uh, likes. So, and uh, as always, really um, encourage everybody out there to drop some comments or questions in the chat. So we see there's uh, there's a lot of people, Tony, out there that uh, are looking forward to seeing you on the uh, on the program. I see Greg Carroll's out there. Big big toy in the house. Big. 20Y in the house. I don't know what that. Uh, um, Tony. 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 Okay, there you go. Um, Ray Hill. Tony Vargas. Double exclamation point. Um, 
Wow. Okay. Gray Hill. I've been waiting for this a long, long time. I first co contacted Tony 15 years ago as a young teenager to reach out for some advice. He was more than happy to reach out. Ray in Scotland. Wow. Okay. Cool. So, Tony, man, the last time that we saw each other face to face might have been around 2008. And you visited me in my house in Connecticut to check out my 225 gallon tank. And you brought a guest with you. I don't know if you remember who you brought along, but it was Michael Moy, who had, yes. has uh, had at the time, and, and I know he's had some kick-ass reef tanks that have been very, um, you know, been featured in numerous publications and, and are quite famous. Michael was also one of the creators of Married with Children, but I remember you brought him along. So uh, it's been too long, man. And, and now you're in Qatar, so uh, I'm not sure it's going to be anytime soon when we see each other in person. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this much. Um, Michael Moy and I had some really crazy experience. Um, I think it was that night that we visited you. There was a nor'easter that came through Greenwich. And um, we went through this neighborhood and we're driving. And right in front of us, a tree drops. Mm. And I look at him and I go, would that have crushed the car? And he said, we would have been dead. He put the car in reverse. He's going back. Now, we're in an SUV. He's, he's going, he's in reverse. And he's just about to hit the gas. And a tree comes down right behind us. Oh, my God. So now <laughs> we're, we're pinched in between these two trees. This is on your way to my house? And I'm looking at him and I'm going, are we going to make it? <laughs> Was this on your way to my house? No, this was on the way back to his to his oh, house. Oh, okay. And um, I said, I guess we're going to have to go through that lawn. And I felt sorry for the owner of that house because <laughs> we tore up this lawn. Hey. It was raining. Everything turned to mud. But it, it was an experience. But anyway, um, back to visiting you. Um, I said to you, I gave you a couple of words about your tank. Do you remember what I said? I, I do not. <laughs> okay. I saw your tank and I said, oh, my God, I've never seen corals like so condensed in one place that your tank looked just like a, a, a calcium block. of. It, it looked like a calcium block. There was... <laughs> It, it was just loaded with corals. There was nowhere else corals could grow. And I, I never seen a tank so loaded with corals like yours. Yeah, that, that particular tank was uh, quite packed. And um, oh my God. I think I remember having like fragments of coral like on the sand bed. It was like uh, it was it was kind of like a, a graveyard for little frags on because I just, you know, I had like I had a lot of birds nests in that tank and you know, green bird's nest and, and pink bird's nest and pieces were just always when I was like cleaning the glass and whatnot, fragments would just get broken off. And it was just like, uh, I was like, I, I just can't bother like reaching in every time to do that. So it's kind of like a little, little boneyard corals in that tank. But yeah, that was a great tank. Well, I, I tell you, um, and, and after, when I left, I got in the car with, um, with Michael and I said, Michael, I am so honored that volume one of my book, I've, I just, you know, I'm hanging out with two guys that I put in my book. 
Right, he was in the and book too. I was too. so honored. Um, he was in the book too. Yes. So the two of you were in volume one, and that made it even more like an aha moment. Do you have? It was do you have? So nice. Do you have volume yeah, one right there? Two of the two of the top guys that had tanks. Let me grab my my book. Ah, yes. Go ahead. There it is, volume one. There we go, volume one. Volume one. Bookmarks. <laughs> I'm sure that's your page. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, forever it'll be in those pages. Yes, and um, so tell, tell folks just that uh, don't uh, know about the Coral Reef Aquarium, what it's all about. Well, the Coral Reef Aquarium, um, I, I've been in the hobby a long time. Um, I've been in the hobby since the 80s. Well, my first fish tank was actually, uh, my first saltwater fish tank was actually an undergravel filter. Um, and then uh, from there, I progressed to, um, I bought a, a wet-dry filter from the Netherlands. And I had it imported. And that's what I used for my second reef tank. And that, that reef tank was a 55-gallon, and it had zinnias and leather corals, things like that, but with a wet-dry filter. And then live rock started coming into the country. But um, at that time, it was Florida live rock. Yeah. And it, it wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the nicest. Um, very tight, very hard, very heavy. So you paid a lot of money for a little piece of rock that weighed like a ton. Yes, um, dense. Very dense. It wasn't as nice as like the Indo or Fiji. And um, that made a big difference to the tank. Um, I had on my 150, I had a street lamp, 400 watt, uh, double-ended sodium vapor lamp on my 150 and we had this lamp in storage in, in where i where i was working and i said you know what i think i could use this on my tank <laughs> <laughs> and i put that on the tank the color was really yellow the water i mean was yellow but the corals loved it <laughs> that's the most important thing right man it was it was insane um so yeah i so I went from the 55 with a Dutch system to the 150 uh, Florida Live Rock. So hold on, let me show you the, uh, this is the 90 gallon first that we're uh, looking at. No, no, the uh, the 150 from 1992. Okay, I'm, I'm showing that right now. Yep. Okay. So that one had the 400 watt metal halide right dead wow. center. Um, and... It, it, it was a, an interesting tank, but as you can see, the rock work was all Florida rock. No, um, there we go. Okay, I'm looking at it now on the screen. Yep. So that one had all Florida rock, and um, one of, uh, you know, the, we had a bunch of hobbyists that used to all hang out. And in 94, I up, I changed all the rock out and put Indo rock, 
and what a difference. Yeah, I'm showing that now. The water volume uh, improved because we were able to get flow rates going through the rocks. It was so much nicer. Yeah, Hydrospace LLC says, sounds like you're talking about the old Florida rock that John Tullock distributed back then. Little round, heavy boulders. Haha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that stuff. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> and then uh, the Indo rock came in and the Fiji rock came in. And so I changed the tank in 1994. And then um, we sold the, the condo where I was living and we bought a house up in Goshen, New York in 2000. Yep. And I set up a much larger tank, a 265-gallon. I'm showing that now. That's beautiful, man. That, okay, so that tank was probably my most pride and joy. I had corals in there that today I still salivate because I wish I had those corals today. (laughs) Uh, The staghorn that's in the picture, um, you don't see staghorns like this. Gorgeous. You know, these staghorns are very hard to come by. Uh, underneath it is a yellow Neptia. Yeah. And that's one coral that I ask everyone, every shipper, everyone, um, can you get the yellow Neptia? You know, you can get the purple, the lavender, but the yellow, bright yellow like that one is like impossible to get. Gorgeous. Um, and, th- and that tank was actually featured on the front cover a Foster and Smith catalog. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, right. Rahel's uh, asking, is that a Ghani on the middle right? Yeah, it looks like it. Right underneath the... Uh... Right underneath the Xenia. The yellow pulsing Xenia. Yeah. It was yellow. I mean, you can't... I, I, for the life of me, I can't find corals like this anymore. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't recall <laughs> seeing that anywhere in the trade recently but um, i wouldn't be I seeing all that. that stuff coming through i mean that would be something like i see aci aquaculture's in the house what's happening there chris and amanda they would probably know hey, chris. they would probably know um yeah so that was uh, a really interesting coral to have a yellow pulsing xenia i got it from a guy in long island uh the yellow neptia i got it from Gren- uh, house of uh house of fins in greenwich in greenwich connecticut yep. Got that from him. He said, Tony, I got this coral and nobody wants to buy it. <laughs> and I saw it and I said, What? The Everybody's walking past this thing. And I just I fell in love. Are you with talking it. about Rob, the uh, uh, the owner? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good guy. Um, and at the time Alex was working yeah. there. Yep. Remember Alex? Yeah, I recently saw Alex. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Really, really nice guy. So um then we sold the house, we moved to Florida. And, you know, I had envisioned um, when I moved to Florida, I said, OK, I'm going to join the 500 Club. Because everyone keeps nagging me about, ah, you don't really have a real reef tank <laughs> until you have a 500 gallon. So, you know, I went down there with the intentions of, OK, let's let's do a 500 gallon. So we worked out the dimensions and we set it up with um, the Amante glass. And sure enough, the tank gets delivered and I see it outside in front of my driveway. And I look at it and I go, nope, 
Really? You turned Not back a 500-gallon tank in your driveway? Can you do that? I guess you can. I didn't turn it back. I didn't turn it back. I, they pulled it into the garage, and I said, nope. Because here's what happened. I bought certain animals and certain pieces of rock down with me from New York. Yeah. Everything else I gave away. Um, so I had a 90-gallon set up for about two years. And I got it, it became very convenient to be able to reach the bottom, reach here, reach there. And with this 500, oh, that wasn't good. I, I needed a, a scuba gear just to go to the bottom, you know. Wow. So when I saw that, I said, OK, you're going in the garage, but this is not happening. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So um, we, we threw a Magna in Miami. And at that Magna, I saw the Marineland 300. And I was like, okay, that's the tank. All right, I'm showing it right so now. So that was the next tank that I set up. Nice. Gorgeous. So I did the 90, and I think you got the picture of the 90. That thing blew up. Everything that I threw in there. That's the 90, If I yep. threw in a, a, a potato chip, the potato chip would multiply. That's like... Full of pulsing xenia, and uh, oh, the whole back, yeah, the whole back just. And I would shave it, and I see the famous uh, pair of swallowtail angelfish. Oh uh, my, my china can't. I man, I I tried several times to get a trio of the uh, Japanese mass swallowtail angelfish to try to get one of them to turn male, and uh, it never worked out. It never worked out, and um, in my 187-gallon tank, I tried that years and years ago, and they um, all but one perished, so I still have one a female, but uh, I was never able to. Did you pick those up as a, uh, as a trio with one male, or did the, the one female turn male? Well, here's the interesting story, and this is where Barnett comes into the picture, and I know you interviewed Barnett. And he is one amazing individual. And he's, I, I remember picking up fish with him in the late 1980s at the airport um, with him. And he used to bring in the fish and I used to go meet up with him and get my boxes of fish and, you know, go back to the shop. And um, so he, I said to him, hey, Barnett, whenever you get these um these genocantus semifasciatus, um, send me a, a, a three females. I want to do an experiment and see what happens in the transition and document it. So I get the three females, and they're doing real nice. Now, the biggest female is starting to get a black edging on her, mm. uh, her dorsal face. There you go. And I said, here we go. The transformation is happening. At the same time, just as this is happening, and I'm very excited about this one's going to transform, Barnett calls me and says, Tony, I got the most beautiful mail we have ever collected. Really? And all I thought about was you. And I said, Barnett, the experiment is going really well. <laughs> I don't need him. And he says, Tony, listen to me. <laughs> you need this mail. And I said, Barnett, I get it. I don't want it. The experiment is working. And I hang up on him. 
Two days later, he calls me again. He says, Tony, you have to see this man. <laughs> and I said, and in my head, I said, let me appease him. Send me a picture. And we'll see. He sends me the picture. And, you know, it's the typical Barnett. He squeezes the fish up against the glass. It opens up. And the male, beautiful fish. And I look at it and I go, oh, the experiment's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, interesting enough, I get the male. I quarantine him for two weeks to make sure there's no flukes. No, but Barnett's fish are so good that you really don't have to worry too much about it. Worry about these issues. I mean, they they really do a great job over there. So he sends me the mail. I'm looking at it and I'm going, "Oh my God, he was 100 percent right." This, I mean, the the gill the, the gill plates were like a, a a teal blue, but shiny teal blue, and I never seen it like that well. on these fish before. And I said, oh, my God, he was right. So I put him in with the three females. The the, the female that's in transition. I'm show, I, I, I realized I had a picture of the fish, so now I'm showing the fish. Yes. Um, the, fee, the, the female comes up to him and starts butting him. And, and I said, oh, my God. It, now we're going to have World War III here mm, with yeah. these two. <laughs> And she only butted him twice before he put her in her place. And that's the male. Oh, my. What a gorgeous. That fish, is. Man. So they uh, the trio got along fine after the initial. Um... Yeah, the uh, the first month was a little bumpy. But what was interesting was in month number six, that lead, the, the female that was in transition yeah. lost a block turned solid female again and was spawning with the male. So you had four of them. So I have four. Wow. I had three females and the, and the male. Wow. Well, that was, uh, you made the right call, dude. Cause that thing is gorgeous. Oh, I, you know, and then, um, down the road, he, uh, he called me up and he said, I have another badass, interesting male. And you have to see this. And I said, Barnett, we can't go through this again. <laughs> and he said, no, the yellow is on the shoulder. There's a big yellow patch on the shoulder. And I said, no way. And he goes, yes. And he's, he sends me the picture. I said, send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So at the time, I was doing a lot of work with um, Foster and Smith, Kevin Cohen. Yeah. So I told Kevin Cohen of what I was getting. And Kevin says, oh, I'll find a beautiful home for him. And um, he did. He found a great home. And the fish is still alive and kicking and doing great. Wow. In uh, Terry Lauderdale's 300-gallon uh, aquarium. Wow. So uh, are they um, just hard to come by these days? Do, are you um, in the know in terms yeah. of that? Okay. Yes. I'm on Barnett, I would say, monthly about certain fish that I want from the Philippines. And that is, I, I want another three females and another male, especially now with the shop that's coming. 
Um, I have a nice, beautiful display tank where I want to put another set of those. Unfortunately, where these fish are collected is not the greatest environment. Yeah. And seasonal, the water flow changes in that area and it makes it dangerous for the divers. Yeah. So during COVID, they couldn't get any because it was totally restricted. Nobody could go in that area during COVID. So that put the fish out of reach. And now it's still not the season to go in common waters to go in and retrieve some of these fish. Are they um, are they going to generate a much larger price, a much more premium price than they had in the past because of the uh, very you know the shortage of that fish in the hobby? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say ahead. I remember paying like maybe one fifty uh, a pop for a female, you know, but I'd imagine they're at least going to be uh, three hundred and north of three hundred maybe. I don't know. Um, okay. And Kevin Cohen was selling them. Kevin Cohen was selling a trio for, I think, over $300. A trio for $300? Uh, over. Okay. Over All right. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was now, pork fish. <laughs> I remember um, absolutely. You know absolutely fish, yeah. right? Okay. I remember buying a pair in absolutely fish for under $100. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. back when and um to think now how expensive the fish are. but you know shipping charges today i mean the rates have come down a bit but it's still very expensive yeah for sure um let's so i got there's so much i want to ask you uh tony but um you mentioned you, your uh your shop in uh, qatar let uh you um you put together like a little walkthrough video of the uh of the new shop so let's um let's play that i think it's about um two minutes long right it's about two minutes and and it has audio right yeah so we'll uh okay we'll let that roll for two minutes and we'll come back and talk about it so let me uh, okay. let me get that going hang on there is our famous blue marine logo here is the entrance on the right side is the seahorse, but no one has access through that door because that goes into my invertebrate system. When you walk into the shop, you're greeted by a Red Sea Peninsula 500. And there it is there. And then on this side here is our 17 gallon nano system. You see there, this one's been running for a while. And then we have our fish system. And over here is our invertebrate system. And then on this wall is products, dry goods. So the first column is Red Sea. Second columns are two little fishy products. And then we go into miscellaneous products. We come to our coral systems and as you can see our coral systems are here and they're run by X4's Illumagics. We also have a system here 
which is Red Sea 1000. We're filling that up with water. See the lights are going to be installed shortly. And then here we have a few displays. We still have one display to fill with water. And then over here we have our main display tank. And you can see also lit up by Illumagic's X-Force. All right, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna fess up a little bit here. I I, uh, I played that video a little earlier in the show than I wanted to because I had some alarms going off because my power's been coming in and out, so my GFCIs were tripping, and I've got audible GFCIs, so I had to. I had to stall somehow to run or run something so I could run back to the fish tank room and reset my GFCIs because I just couldn't sit here and listen to the alarms buzzing all uh, show here. So my apologies, everybody, and to uh, to Tony because I, I kind of wanted I had a, another place that I wanted to kind of show this uh, this video. But you know what? We roll with it, right, man? I didn't give it the proper setup. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. sorry. That's okay. <laughs> That's what happens when you go live on these things. I know, I know. It's like been, we've been just getting uh, just like slammed with rain here in Vermont the last week, and all the, a lot of people know. Uh, and I appreciate the people reaching out to me asking about the uh, the flooding and whatnot. But uh, we we got another uh, series of storms coming through tonight, and it uh, happens to be going on right now. So that's a uh, it's all it's a, it, it makes it a little interesting when you're trying to do a, a live stream. And uh, juggling all that, but all right. So, dude, uh, give uh, give people some context in terms of what they were just watching. All right. So, um, um, my partner here in Qatar, he's a Qatari. His name is Ahmed Almir. Um, he reached out to me in the U.S. and said, "Hey, listen, you have experience here in Qatar. Why not uh, come back to Qatar and set up a shop?" And I said to him, well, listen, I can't set up a shop being the same old, same old that is here in Qatar. Um, you know, the aquarium trade in Qatar is 1990s. <laughs> and if I'm going to do anything in Qatar, it's got to be the next century. We, everything has to be modernized. Everything has to be brought up to date. Um, Education has to be primary. Uh, so as soon as the shop is done, we'll be doing workshops and things like that in order to educate everyone about everything regarding the reefs. Um, also sustainability, um, taking care of the reefs, the local reefs there in Qatar. Uh, all of that I wanted to discuss, but I wanted to bring new life into a worn out market from the 1990s. So I said to him, come on over and I'll take you around. So sure enough, he comes to the US, his first visit ever to the US. And it's so funny because, you know, you hear all this stuff about the US and he comes here and everywhere we go, we're stuck in traffic for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I can't live like this. And I said, dude, this doesn't happen. What is happening because you're here? <laughs> so um, needless to say, I take him around Florida. We meet up with Julian. We go to uh, a few uh, shops there. 
Um, we go to Worldwide Coral. Uh, we go visit uh, ACI, Chris and Amanda. Um, and, you know, they treated him like he was family and he loved it. You know, nice. he absolutely loved it. And um, so we go then to California um, and I take him around there. We go see Greg Carroll. We go to Greg Carroll's house. You know, uh, Greg Carroll don't allow people to go to his home. <laughs> but, you know, you're an he exception. Let us come over. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a great time. We saw his tank. Um, it's very impressive today when you look. When I was there earlier and you look at it now, wow, his tank is just like amazing. Um, so we go around, we see some marvelous reef tanks. We go to shops and when we meet up again, I say to him, okay, you see what I want to do? You see how I want to change the, the way things are done? And he says, yeah, but Tony, some of these things are very difficult to get. And he's absolutely right. Some of these things are yeah. very difficult to get. Uh, like a bulkhead. We import bulkheads from the U.S. because we can't find them here in Qatar really? or in the Middle East. Really? And wow. um, if you're looking at my post, you'll see a makeshift um, bulkhead that I ripped out of one of uh, the aquariums that I'm replacing. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's um, a metal nut on a lead pipe. With epoxy, <laughs> and that's their bulkhead. That's not a good. That's not. Those are bad materials for for a saltwater fish tank. Well, needless to say, every consult that I go do, all I hear is, um, "We got this fish tank, and we can't keep fish alive." And I can give them a laundry list as to why they can't keep them alive, and one of them is, is the education. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone should be sold an aquarium without giving them a little education because they all think that you can put a tank together and put all the fish in right away and you need to cycle it you need you know you want a nice successful reef aquarium patience you gotta cycle the patience and yeah a lot of patience and um the people here don't have it oh <laughs> they don't. want the instant but gratification you to, yeah you have to you have to lead them you know you have to explain it to them and um so I said to him, okay, we need to get this material, but it's not here. I said, then we get it. We get it. We'll be the most expensive shop, but we're doing everything correctly. Yeah. So um, it's happening. We are. We're making a difference. Um, the shop, you saw the, the video, the shop is still under construction. Um, and it's because it's so hard to get material here. Yeah. So getting material here is, is costly, but it's also not easy. You know, we, we, order, we order things and it takes months to get it. Um, shipping issues and, and everything else. Um, you know, so all these things uh, just facilitate issues. But at the end of the day, the shop is coming together and, and I'm excited and Ahmed is excited. Um, you know, we, we, we sell good, better, and best, right? So we have good, if you want to keep just regular fish, uh, better and then best, you know, like, um, for us, we sell the Illuma Magics, Illuma uh, X4s, 
And we love those lights. And we have them in, in the showroom. You know, we have them above our coral systems and we also have them on our display tank. Yep. And people see, you know, quality stuff and, and you have to bring in the quality. So, so go ahead. we're just making a difference. Are, are you in it for the long haul or are you just trying to get that uh, store up and running on its feet and then uh, we'll see what happens down the road type of thing? Or is that a question that you really uh, would rather not answer? <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll answer it. Um, I have a five-year contract. So you can't work in Qatar unless you have a contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, it's not like you can say, well... You know, like you can get up a morning and say, well, you know what? I'm going to go live in Italy, right? Can't do that. And you can go and live in Italy. You can't get up and go and live in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just can't do it. You have to be sponsored and you have to, you know, uh, be working. You know, there's no welfare here. There's none of that stuff. So you, you have to be a productive citizen or get out how how has the uh the um you know the adapting to that new culture been for you um not bad not bad, not bad. um you know qatari are very friendly inviting people um you come and you know I, I, with many qataris that i've had conversations with you know what they tell me welcome home really yeah. So if if I'm getting that from the Qataris who this is their country and they look forward uh, to people that are helping them and helping them improve, um, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. It's hot. OK, it's not like, you know, in Florida, they say, oh, my God, it's so hot and it's 90 degrees. Yeah, How hot is it there here? Uh, it can hit 140. What? Yes. 140, like the air temperature? Uh-huh. Yep. Holy smokes, man. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, the summers are really hot. And what's interesting is everyone says, well, it's got to be dry heat because it's a desert. Uh, no, it, it may be a desert, but it's a peninsula. <laughs> so we're surrounded by water. So it's wow. very humid. You, in 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 um, July and August, you can go outside and cut the moisture with a knife. Jeez, man, uh, Ray Hill, thank you so much for the uh, for the super chat. I, it's in pounds. I got I got uh, got some pounds there. I will catch up later. Bedtime for me, folks. Tony, thanks for your contributions and pioneering endeavors. Keep keep bringing us your good work, buddy. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Um, well, that, that's awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm very excited for you. That's that's got to be a um, just quite an adventure to uh, to do that and to uh, to leave the U.S. and and what have you to to go to a whole brand new uh, country and to to start an operation like that. It's it's got to be pretty thrilling. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because all my life I, I've been an accountant, um, and I would say probably about five years ago, I said no more accounting. Um, and I got into sales. I just, you know, I said, that's it. I'm done with accounting. Um, and I think this is what I was meant to do, what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm able to educate 
I'm able to lead, um, to show how success can be had. Because you know in this hobby, we've been around a long time. I've seen probably more tanks around the world than anyone else has. Um, I've visited many different homes, many different places. And I can tell you, the successful hobbyist is the tenacious hobbyist. No matter what equipment he has, I've seen equipment that would that you go, no way, how could this even work? <laughs> but the tank is gorgeous. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, um, you know, I, I think of Jason Wilson. I, I gave you his video for his tank. Okay, which uh, which um, one is that? Is the um, Jason? You gave me a, a, a tank video here, so I got two tank videos. Okay, it's got the big orange cap in the middle. Uh, um, yes. Okay. That's 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 Jason Wilson. And then there's another. And then the other one is um the Italian tank. Yes, with all the um the tangs in there. Yes. Yeah. Gorgeous. Right. So Jason's tank, um, is is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. I mean, this tank is just amazing and um i took ahmed to california to see this tank and i told him now this is the italian tank the one with the tanks yeah. and i told ahmed i said ahmed you have to see this tank you have to see it and you know why it's very impressive to me because he has cheap black box chinese lights on this tank he's not spending the dough on the big flashy lights he put the cheapest lights he can find. Is this the hybrid? Put them on, hybrid LED. Uh, is this the hybrid LED picture you sent me, or that's something different? No, okay. that was the, okay. the video of, of Jason Wilson's okay. tank okay. with the cap in the middle. Okay. Um, yeah, that tank is absolutely spectacular, and why? Because of his tenacity. You know, the 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 colors of the corals were popping, and here's the cheap. Three hundred dollar black Chinese. So box, what was his? Right? Um, what was his? Besides the tenacity, what uh, what do you think was contributing to that kind of uh, success? Him. Just him. It's him. Yeah, it's him. He's dedicated to what he 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 pays attention to his tank. Uh, he monitors everything, and he's on top of it. You know, when you meet the lazy hobbyist, the one that says, "Hey, I'll do the water change next week." Next week rolls around, he's busy doing something else. Ah, I'll do it the following week. When your Capricornus turns white, <laughs> you have nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah. You know? You got to be regimented. You really have to, you know. And, and these animals depend on us, right? Yeah. It's a big responsibility. It is. It is. So when, when you were... Um, you know, I mentioned in, in your bio that you were one of the first to successfully keep, uh, you know, Acropora alive in, in, uh, in a reef tank. What, um, how, how did you guys, you know, manage to figure all that stuff out? I mean, was it just a bunch of experimentation? Was it just sharing experiences? Was it sharing knowledge? Was that all of the above? Yeah. Um, okay. So we had a, a, a group um, of hobbyists, uh, Greg Scheimer who was a very close dear friend of mine. 
Uh, he and I used to get in our car every single weekend, abandon the wives, <laughs> get in the car, and go to New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Uh, we used to go visit Ed in Pennsylvania in Strasburg. Um, I forgot the name uh, of his shop, but even in a winter blizzard storm that we're praying to God that we make it home alive with these corals, <laughs> you know. And Ed was the only one bringing in Acaporas from Indonesia. The only one in the country at the time. And, you know, he used to bring in two or three pieces. And, and Greg and I made sure we were there to buy these corals, <laughs> you know. And were you we uh, were you like point. edging out Mike Paletta because I, it sounds like he's told similar stories, you know, in terms of like the importers bringing in these corals, and he was right what? there with the boxes are opening up and pulling stuff out of the bags. Well, that, <laughs> that's the way we were back then. That's the way you know we used to say, okay, when you get the stuff, oh, we're getting it tomorrow. What time tomorrow? Uh, it should be in the store around three, but we were there at twelve. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game today. That just does not happen, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but remember, back then you were getting full Right, colonies. it was all about colonies. Right. Yeah. And what was interesting is because of the lights that we had, we didn't get to enjoy possibly the, the colors of the coral like we do today. You know, today we get amazing. And I don't think that they're nitpicking the coral, right? Because when the coral's not... A beautifully colored coral, when it's not well taken care of, will turn brown. Right? And it'll turn brown. And, and it'll, it'll, it'll get. And it'll color back up again eventually if you're uh, doing something right, you know? Exactly. So imagine if we had that technology back mm. then. Oh, yeah. But even, but okay, so because we didn't have the technology, when the coral came in and it had pink tips or blue tips, oh, I got to get that coral. <laughs> it was solid brown, and the only thing that was blue was the tip. That's a giveaway. <laughs> That's a gem, you know? You know, you the know, potential. And it was like, oh, my God. And um, so um, we would get these corals and bring them back. And um, I wrote an article that even um, um, Jake Adams found in Fama about us cutting a coral in three pieces and it was this beautiful massive purple acropora um and we cut into three pieces for one greg Scheimer got i got and craig bingman and the three of us got a piece of that coral and it, um and alf nielsen reached out to me and said you know that's the first uh article ever written on cutting up a coral like this really yeah and that was mid-90s, and I put this thing through a, a, a table saw, not a band <laughs> saw, a table saw. And the cutting of the flesh, it, it's... I, what, it what, like, what did you think it, was going to happen? Like burning flesh. What did you think was going to happen? I mean, did you have any idea what was going on I mean, in terms of, like, let's give this a shot type of thing and see what, uh, what happens, or did, were you just... Well, okay, so here's what happened. We Okay, we went into the shop. Um, the name of the shop was called Total Marine. And we went into the shop, and there was this acro. And the three of us are standing there with, drooling with our jaws <laughs> dropped. 
And it was probably the most expensive coral at the time. How much? Um, bear in mind, we're talking about mid-90s, yeah. right? Or, um, well, the article took about a year, so it was like 1993, 94. Can I guess? Um, Can I... Yeah, go ahead and take a guess. Yes. Really? 300 bucks? Got it. Wow. 300 bucks. <laughs> 300 bucks. So, Bingo. Um, so we're all debating, like, do we pay this? And, 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 and Greg goes, well, you know, 300 bucks between the, two, the three of us, we could possibly do it. <laughs> and I said, okay, but then who gets to keep the coral? So my tank, my 150 was baller it was doing great so i knew we could keep it in my tank but greg had a gorgeous he had two three gorgeous reef aquariums at the time and this was before the 500 and um he goes yeah we could keep it in mind and i said no nah, i don't think that's fair you know <laughs> so we're debating and then we're thinking okay so do we cut off the branches and and split the branches between all of us and he goes, I have a better idea. And I said, what is it? And he goes, let's put it through a table saw. <laughs> and I said, table saw? <laughs> I said, we're going to do that to this coral? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So we decide, all right, let's buy the coral. We buy the coral. And there's the table saw in his garage on the floor. He positioned it. And I straddle my legs around the <laughs> And Greg says, put on these glasses because we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm looking and I go, this coral is going to die. It's going to die. Um, and I, he goes, all right, well, let's do like triangle cuts. And I said, okay. <laughs> so no sooner I start cutting the coral you smell burning flesh. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God. And we had to run out of the garage because it smells so bad. Ooh. And I had all this calcium dust all over me because there was no – you couldn't put the, the, the guard on it and there was no, because the coral was sticking And there was no up, water you – know? there was no water um, keeping the blade um, from um, too much friction, right? I mean – It didn't need it. It didn't okay. need it. This thing cut through it like oh, butter. Okay. Um, so we run out of there and we put the coral in water, the, the big chunk in water, and then the, the smaller piece in the water. And I, and he goes, well, we got to cut it one more time. And I said, I'm not going back out there. <laughs> and sure enough, I did go back out there and I gave it a cut on the second cut and we put it in water. Craig took his piece. I took my piece and, and Shimer took his piece and the coral just did well. Like, it didn't phase the coral at all. And I wrote about it. And like I said, Alf Nielsen reached out to me and said, hey, this is the first time we ever seen an article like this. And then um, um, Jake even wrote about it on Reef Builders. So um, you mentioned Jake. And, you know, you told me a, uh, an interesting story. I guess it was a few months ago when we were communicating back and forth about having you on the, uh, on the show. And I think you also wrote about it on, on Facebook. Do you mind uh, sharing that again with, uh, with the folks here on this uh, stream? 
Uh, you want me to start crying? <laughs> no, I don't want you to. Do? I don't want you to do that. No. You want to give me a Barbara Walters uh, experience here? Um, okay, so for a long time, um, the book we've been working on the book, right? Volume two of the Coral Reef Aquarium, and um, unbeknownst to everyone else, I wanted Jake to write the forward of the book. And I reached out to him and he said, oh my God, Tony, yes, I'll do it. He goes, it's my pleasure to do this for you. And I sent him a few early chapters to let him see what was coming uh, because we didn't want to divulge exactly what was coming in the book yep. and things like that. So he got to see it. And he saw the CO2 art um, chapter and he was like, oh, this is perfect. This is inspiring. This is going to give people, you know, wisdom about what's going on with the CO2 and everything else. And the other chapters, um, and he loved uh, reef tanks from around the world. That was always one of his things. He, he always loved that. Um, and on several of his podcasts, he even mentions those things about, you know, that section of the book. And um, so he writes the forward and he gets it to me. And I think nothing about it. I put a nice picture of him. We set it all up, his words, <clears throat> and we leave it alone. We, we didn't even, I, I didn't even let Julian edit any of his wording. I want it to be um, Jake's voice. Yep. And um, so... January comes around and I get the advanced edition of the book. So I get copy number one, the first one, the first copy of the press gets shipped to me. And then uh, copy two, three, and four wound up going to, Ju uh, to Julian. So I get it. And I said to Julian, look what just came in. And he goes, congratulations. So I sit down. And I opened the book and I opened the page and there's Jake. And as I'm reading his forward, all I could hear is his voice. Mm -hmm. And I got teardrops on those pages because I just couldn't hold myself back. Yeah, It was the most amazing thing that's ever happened. And I would have regretted all my life being what has happened with Jake. If Jake wasn't the one that wrote the forward to the book. Wow. That's incredible. And it, it means so much to me. It really does. And he, he was inspiring to many people. Um, if you look closely, you'll see that, Jake and I did several talks in different areas around the world um, because whenever someone said to me, hey, who would you also have come? Um, I've had other hobbyists in the past and it's always been not, not very, um, not a very good situation, but with Jake, it's, it's always been pleasant and 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 fun and exciting and um 
So whenever I had the opportunity, I brought him to uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Italy, China, um, just because, you know, Jake was a good friend. I had him stay at my house multiple times because he, he meant a lot to me, but he meant a lot to our community. And I miss him a lot. Uh, yeah, he, he is certainly um, it's, a, it's a major loss on so many different um, fronts. And I appreciate, Tony, the um, you sharing, you know, your uh, your feelings about him. I mean, he, he um, you know, they're, they're, you guys didn't always see eye to eye. Right. There was another story that you told me about. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny story that you told me. Go ahead and oh, sh- share that yes. story. Um, at, that, at the conference uh, well, that, that's a, well that that's a great story because um we at one time way back when we had this um this community um where we got together on the web <laughs> and it was just like the advanced hobbyist thing i don't even remember the name of it and um so I said something about a coral and Jake came in and said something. And I said, why don't you learn how to read? If you read, you'll learn, you know, you'll learn about it. And he came back at me and I came back at him. And I mean, even the, the other forum members would come in and say, Hey, you two take it easy. You know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you guys are like wanting to kill each other. And we just kept bad mouthing each other, but going back and forth. And I knew we were doing it in a, in a, in a civilized fashion between us. Yeah. You know, uh, at least that's the way I saw it, you know. So um, sure enough, we get to Magna and um, I hear Jake's looking for you. And I said, well, you tell Jake I'm looking for <laughs> And sure enough, we're in this very long corridor that leads into the conference hall. And I hear Vargas <laughs> and I go, Jake Adams. <laughs> and then we meet up and we just chest bump each other. And then, you know, hi, how you doing? And that was our first meeting. You know, <laughs> we, we never met face to face, but it was the forum that got us together. And it was such a great story. And, and I'll never forget it. It was it was lovely. That's awesome. Yeah. It, um, it it was definitely a uh, a different time back then in terms of the forums and and um, kind of um, dis- the discussions that go on versus what um, I guess we have today. It's it's kind of a whole different environment with, with social media and 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 what have you. Um, who else was like influential? You know, back uh, when you were you know just kind of in the meat of uh, getting into the uh, to the reef keeping hobby. To you, I mean, who who else did um, really well, influence your methods? What- one of the guys um, that inspired me a lot was Greg Scheimer. And he was another one. He passed away. I cried like a little girl. I was so heartbroken over this man because he and I used to get in a car. And, and, and here's a true story. There's this guy named Joe Adrian. Uh, Joe Adrian just recently bought the book. And he took a picture and posted it on Facebook. And I said, oh, Joe Adrian. And I called him up, and it turns out that he's getting back in the hobby. But we, Greg and I would drive around in the car, and now what's interesting is we drove around, and we see this blue light radiating out of somebody's window. Mm. So we drive real slow, and I go, oh, there's a reef tank in there. <laughs> and he says, 
oh, wow, yeah, let's, what's going, what do you think? And I said, I'll go knock on the door. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a guy, we have no idea who he is. We, you know, I mean, we can get on his property, he could shoot us, right? And um, we, we, we go and I knock on the door and it's Joe Adrian and we don't know him yet. So it's like, hi, I'm Joe. Hey, you know, we were driving by, we saw the blue light, you know, we see you have a reef tank and you know, reef hobbyists, come on yeah. in, <laughs> come on in, take a look. And he had all the MTC products. So you knew this guy spent a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think it was either 220 or 180. Beautiful, gorgeous reef aquarium with all the top-notch equipment with the 400, uh, three 400 watt metal halides above his tank. And and um, Greg and I left from there and we got it back in the car and I said, who else would do something like this? <laughs> and again, you know, so Greg was my biggest critic. Um, he, he also helped me improve my, um, my writing skills. He helped me improve as a photographer. And it was interesting because I would take pictures and he would say, Tony, that picture's horrible. And I go, no, it's Tell not. me what you really think. <laughs> and he's like, no, Tony, that picture's horrible. And I would go home going, he's just jealous, you know, <laughs> or, and then, um, as it would, it would make me do better. And I miss him because of that. I miss him because he always pushed me to the limit to help me get better. Mm. And he, he was, I think if he was still alive today, he'd probably be the number one hobbyist on the planet. He was analytical. He was smart. He, he knew how to give advice. Um, he helped everyone. Um, he was just amazing. And I remember visiting him at the hospital near the end. And I went on a dive trip and I was showing him the pictures on my computer, on my laptop. And he looked at me and he said, you're there. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're finally there. I can't, I can't say anything bad about your pictures. <laughs> and I said, you know, you're just saying that because you're going to heaven. And he goes, no, no, no. And, you know, he, I miss him. He was very influential, very, very influential. And, and the hobbyists that could, he, he could have helped today were, yeah. you know, would be amazed by a guy like yeah. him. So he was very influential for me. Um, Julian was also influential, which is interesting because Julian came to my house back in 1992 to see my reef aquarium, the one that you showed first with the Florida yep. Live Rock. Um, Julian came over and that's how we met. You know, and um, listening to him at his lectures, uh, receiving his books, his three-volume mm -hmm. set, uh, very influential. So... You know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of people we could thank. And I'll be honest with you. 
volume one and volume two. I don't thank anyone more than I can thank my community, our community. Um, I learn from them. I prosper because of them, because they have given me guidance. They have helped me along. Um, I have a section in, in, in volume two called um, uh, Lessons Learned. And we could only learn lessons from each other. Yeah. And I learned a lot from our community. And by visiting all these tanks, you know, one thing that amazes me is I've heard from one person say, oh, well, you can go on reef to reef and see all these tanks. No, you can't. Because there's a lot of tanks in my book where people don't go on the Internet. Yep. They have no presence on the right. Internet. And they have gorgeous, marvelous tanks. What? And I bring those out to us, out to the yeah. public. And I, I have to thank the hobby for everything that is done for me. It allowed me to travel. It allowed me to see other hobbyists. It allowed me to learn. And, and you know, and you think about it, us as reef hobbyists, we learn water chemistry. And if you're playing with lights, you're learning electrical work, you're learning plumbing work, you're learning, uh, again, chemistry, you're learning how to build stands, um, carpentry. Um, then you go and you take it to the next level and you learn how to scuba dive and then you learn how to take pictures <laughs> and then you learn how to take pictures underwater. <laughs> I mean, all of these are their own little niches. And we as reef hobbyists get to advance ourselves in all these tiny little niches. And I, I really don't see any other hobby in the world that can give you so much for so little. It is an amazing hobby. There's so many different aspects to it. You know, there are some um, incredible tanks out there, but um, some people just don't have the uh, photography skills, the videography skills to capture, you know, what, uh, you know, what their tanks look like. So, you know, even even the uh, the stuff that um, you know you know you might see um, uh, you know on on uh, social media, the discussion boards, you know your book that still might not be you know there still might be other fantastic tanks out there that um, you know we as a community are, are not um, benefiting in terms of being able to see. But you know that's uh, just part of the deal. You know it's it's you're you're not going to be able to cover everything, but it is a it is a tight knit community. So word does get around, I guess. Yeah, and, and if you notice, I mean, you go back 10 years ago and you look at the pictures that people were posting on the forums, like on Reef Central or anywhere else, um, or the club web pages, right? And you look at those pictures and you look at the pictures today. What an improvement, the photography skills are getting better. And the post-preparing of these pictures, the post-photography, oh, my God. You know, some of these guys know how to work the, the Photoshop and everything else and make gorgeous, beautiful What's, pictures. Uh, could you give, like, uh, top three tips for uh, people that want to kind of get to the next level in terms of their photography? Um, well... To be honest, um, a lot of these camera phones are just amazing. Yeah. But 
Um, three tips would be a, a good camera, a good eye, um, and a ton of pictures. Yes. I can't tell you, with every dive that I do, I bring my camera with me and I go underwater. When I come up, I come up with 2,200 pictures. Wow. Of 2,200 pictures, how many of them are going to be usable? So you take as many pictures as you can and you will find some sweet spots in all those pictures. And then just cropping them correctly. You know, don't have the clownfish over here. And that was the main <laughs> focus, right? Um, you know, crop them correctly and things like that. Prepare them. Because you know what? Some people say, well, Photoshop is cheating. Uh, no, Photoshop is not cheating. Because in the old days, you used a developer. So you kept the picture in the developer longer or shorter. Then fix, you kept it longer or shorter. The paper that you use. I mean, come on. That was Photoshop in a different era because you can manipulate any picture you wanted to. And you can manipulate the contrast and everything by the chemicals that yeah. you were using and the paper you were using and the time it sat in, in the developer or, you know, in the fix it or wherever. Um, that was Photoshop. So today, Photoshop is digital. You go online and you, or in Photoshop and you fix it. Yeah. Um, getting back to volume two, you said you, um, you were really kind of uh, collected a lot of really good information. You learned a lot. What, uh, what were some of the top things that you learned? And um, based on what you learned, did that influence how you keep reef tanks? Um, well, okay. I've been in the hobby a very long time, so I'm not going to give you the numbers of how long I've been in the hobby, but obviously since the late 1980s, right, to now, um, I've learned quite a few things. Um, like um, I have one guy who gave us a lessons learned where he placed his skimmer like at a corner of his sump. Now, the collection container of that skimmer hung over the side of the sump. So when the skimmer flooded, guess what it flooded mm. to? The yeah. floor. So he learned, the lesson learned there was keep the skimmer in the center mm. of your sump. And, don't, and that way, if it does flood, it floods into the sump, keeping the water yeah. in the sump. You know, um, and there's many little tidbits like that in the book, in different parts of the book. Um, I asked when, when I was doing um, reef tanks from around the world, I asked every hobbyist, you know, do you have any lessons learned? Um, and they put it there. Martin also, I did a whole chapter on Martin's build. Um, he also put something in there about lessons learned. So reading the book gives you an idea, oh, I'm going to do something similar. This is what I need to avoid to prevent this from happening to me. And that's, you know, that's something that we picked up. I picked it up on volume two because I learned this uh, in between volume one and gotcha. volume two. 
Rob Upstate, New York. Thanks, man, for that very generous super chat. Really appreciated the uh, comments. Great chat, guys. Tony, thanks for staying up after 3 a.m. <laughs> I don't even want to think about what time it is. I'm, I'm having a good time. As long as you're having a good time, we got no power failures on your I, side. I keep getting, like, there's there's been a lot of flickering going on here and a lot of beeping and whatnot, but, uh, you know, somehow the Internet keeps chugging along, so I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. This is like, it's a miracle this thing is, uh, I haven't been uh, been uh, cut off yet. But uh, volume three, what's going on with that? Is there, is there going to be a volume uh, three? Um, yes, there will be. There will be. Um, unfortunately, at this time, um, I thought that I would have gotten started with it probably two or three months ago. But the the um, the shop yeah. with Ahmed and everything that we're trying to do um, is consuming a lot of yeah. my time. Um, I do a lot of consultation work because um, people have issues with their tanks, and they call me, and I come in and I, I give the consultation. I write reports and everything else. So that's really not allowing me, but. We figure within the next couple of months, we'll have a grand opening. Um, after the grand opening, we'll have uh, the first workshop. And then after that workshop, I'm going to get started on um, volume three, which is going to be dramatically different from volume one and two. Can you share how uh, it's going to be different? No. <laughs> Thought I'd ask. <laughs> no, because, um, you know, it's funny because... With volume two, I knew what I wanted to do with volume two. However, once I got started, things evolved. You know, I reached out to Julian and I said, Julian, you and I travel around the world. We take pictures of tanks and, and people's homes and, and fish and corals. And what do we do with it? We archive it. But the archive is just for our gratification. Where, where does it go from there? Yeah. And he said, Tony, it's your book. You do whatever you want. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you think about doing a, a chapter called Short Stories? And he said, elaborate. And I said, well, you know, again, you and I travel around the world. We see these beautiful tanks. We take pictures. There's a story there to be told. And we don't tell the story. We just archive the pictures. And if we do another book, we've got a lot of pictures that we can pull from for the substance. And he says, well, I think it's a great idea. It's your book. You do what you want. And I said, you sure about this? And he goes, yeah, go right ahead do it. So I wrote it. Um, because I visited many beautiful aquariums, but I never got, um, like for reef tanks around the world, there's 21 questions that need to be answered and you need to be as elaborate. You yeah. remember you were as elaborate as possible for every single question. And then I consolidated it and put it in your part in the book with your images. Here's um, my, uh, here's part of my page, but, pages. Ah, <laughs> look at that. Uh, 
and, love that tank. And so sure enough, um, there's there's people that don't have the time to answer all these questions. But meanwhile, I visited them. I saw their tanks. I said, let me put them in short stories because them and their tanks need to be talked about. There we go. Look at that. That had like two, I don't know if you remember, the two giant purple monster colonies in there. Tyree purple monster. Yeah. Do you have that? I do. And people out there Dude, watching, do not ask me for a frag. <laughs> <laughs> get that all the time. Well, it's slow and really, I, I really mean, a, a slow grower. It is a slow grower. It's a very slow growing coral. For, for some reason, it just, it, it's like, I'll take calcium when I yeah. want. I'll take magnesium when I want, strontium when I want. I'm not in the mood. And it stayed. But those know, two com those it, two it colonies I had in that tank that you saw in person, that thing was growing like a weed for me. Both of those colonies were just, and I don't know what what was different because uh, I, you know, I had them under metal halides. Then, um, I, you know, recently uh, just um, there, it's still I've still got one of my pieces under halides, and it's just really slow. Don't know why. It is. Yeah. Right. Now, would you attribute it to? the type of metal halide you had on it compared to the type you have so, now? Because I'm sure what you had back then, you don't have now. So I, I don't, you probably don't recall the fixture that I had running over that tank. It was the Filigoy, the Filigoy, the Italian. Yes, I yeah. remember. That, yeah, it's a ginormous. Big, it was a big, yeah. yes. It was I never should have sold that. <laughs> so I had, I had three of those 400 watt 20K radium bulbs on magnetic ballast and i was overdriving the uh the bulbs so the difference between back then and today is that um i'm still using the 400 watt 20k radium bulbs over that coral but i'm using electronic ballast but i've been told that so you're not overdriving so it well it's on like the super lum lumen setting so it's supposed to be like an hqi but um you know i've had tulio on and i've, I've talked to uh to others about this and um it, it seems like that's not the different but i don't know it's uh it seems inconclusive to me in terms of whether or not um that is actually the difference why the coral was growing a lot better back then versus today i i kind of think it it has it's part 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 of the reason why is because i'm using electronic ballast today and, and then you cannot find those magnetic ballast but tulio is uh i think he is producing them i don't know if he's selling them um at scale at this point but so yeah well i mean the other thing to look at is the salt brand you were using back then are you using the same salt brand today i think i was using tropic Mar uh, marin back then and so no I'm, I'm not using that yeah who knows who knows i'm telling you, it's 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 all these little factors you know <clears throat> We have gyro wave makers today. We have powerheads back. I had the Tunzi, uh, the Tunzi yeah. powerheads in that tank. Great, great. You know, I, I, every little change brings a change to the system. Yeah. You know, so you know, and and, and also the manufacturers could do it, and you don't even know because um, I know I won't say exactly what company it was. But I remember 
using a specific carbon for my tank. And, and I was religious about changing the, every 30 days I changed the carbon out. And every 30 days I put this amount in the system. And one day I change out the carbon and I wake up the next morning, the lights are on and it's cyanobacteria everywhere. And I'm like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God. So I went and I did a water change, right? Cause it's the first instance, do the water yeah. change. And, and, and I said, wow, it exhausted the, the, the carbon already. So I threw out the carbon. I put brand new one again. I mean, like two days later, I'm changing out the carbon and the cyanobacteria again. And I was like, what the heck is going on? It turned out that the manufacturer changed the grade of carbon they were using. Mm. So it was leaching phosphates. Uh, wow. And the high phosphate bloomed to the cyanobacteria. So sure enough, I, I changed out of that carbon. I put the right carbon, I did another water change, and sure enough, it all went away. Wow. But it was the small effect of changing the carbon, but the manufacturer didn't tell anyone that they changed the formula. Right. Yes. You never know. You never know what's going on. Um, so, dude, it's approaching like 3.30 in the morning there. Can you, uh, can you hang in there for another few I'm, minutes? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you want to talk some more about corals? You want to talk more about corals? You sent let's, me a whole ton of pictures about corals, man. You want to, like, uh, pick one and let's talk about it? Okay, so um, the uh, okay, so my number one coral. Well, actually, let's start with. with I, God, I'm trying to remember which one. So I you sent. got the, I know the I silver hydnophora, the, uh, the the Terra labrus, the Vargas cespit. Oh, but that's the fish. Which one? The Terra. You want to show that one? So right. So so what I had was oh, my fish. number one yeah, fish. fish. That I loved the was most the, uh, was the Genocanthus semiplasiatus. Yeah. I would take that over a personatus all day long. You look at a personatus, if it wasn't because it had $25,000 associated with it, you would ignore it for, for the uh, personatus. Now, the Terralabras, that is my number three fish. I love that fish. This is my number one. And my number two is the Bologna percopyli. So I sent you a picture of, a, I had a pair at one time. Oh, um, what's it called, Tony? Bologna percopyli. Yes. There it is. Oh, that's, what, what's, what's the, um, so what's the non-scientific name? Dr. Yes, that is so cool looking. <laughs> I mean, those were all that, those available that in Life Aquaria at one point in time, weren't they? For like a ridiculous amount of money. Yes. Yes, seven grand. Jeez. Jeez. Seven thousand, and I and and I had a pair. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, thank God the wife never knew how much the the value. It's <laughs> fourteen thousand. In that picture right there. How long did they last, man? Did you get your... Uh, you... No, as a matter of fact, okay, so here's what happened. They were in my 300-gallon tank. 
And um, I set up this 300-gallon tank. I'm really happy with it. I put in a pair of those and some other beautiful fish, uh, the uh, Swiss Guard basslets. Uh, no, but it was the candy basslet. Um, anyway, gorgeous, beautiful fish, along with the semi-fasciatus of swimming with it. And um, just for shits and giggles, we decide, let's sell the house. Let's see if we can sell it. <laughs> so, oh, no. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so um, I, I gave them to a, a, a friend of mine, and he still has Really? Them. Wow. Yeah. How, so how long did you They're, have them? I had them for three years, okay. and he's got them since uh, 2012, and he still has That's them. That's awesome. Now, what's interesting is you look at a fish like that, you go, okay, that's a strong carnivore. Yeah. Right? And you expect him to eat only um, because I had his cousin, the Chabonawi, and the Chabonawi will only eat guppies <laughs> or small fish. It will not eat anything else. This fish, on the other hand, would eat frozen mices, would eat flake food, will eat anything and it's from the same genus so it was very surprising that one behaved one way and the other one yeah. behaved a different yeah. way um but that was my number that was my number two fish awesome and then number three was the terralabras terralabras that's pretty sweet too man oh uh, i tell you do, you, one do thing. we see these fish in the trade um, anymore I, you know, it's been a while since I've seen uh, uh, any of <laughs> any of those fish. It's been a while, yeah. you know. But I'm sure that um, with enough request, if people put in the request, um, everybody will go out. Yeah, that's, that fish had a personality like no other. You ever kept um, freshwater fish? Yeah, for a little bit. Okay. I kept oscars at one time if there's a fish with a personality yeah. it's yeah. an oscar okay this guy was in the territory of an oscar so where the tank where he lived was in my dining room you can see from the tank the steps upstairs where my bedroom is if he would just see my feet he would go absolutely crazy. You see him swimming and, and like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me type of deal. <clears throat> Whereas if my kids or my wife's feet would appear, he would ignore them. He knew me by my feet. That's crazy. That's, yeah. you know, um, I've told this story before in the live stream. And I'll try to tell an abbreviated version of it. Um, I had this... Um, the the animals that we keep in our reef tanks are just amazing. You know, they're uh, they're really just amazing. And um, so I had this uh, yellow tang and a purple tang and a sailfin tang in the same reef tank, my 187 gallon display tank. And you know, they were uh, getting along fine for a few years. And all of a sudden, the uh, purple tang decides to turn into you know a real asshole and just completely bullied the uh, the yellow tang to the point where the yellow tang was um had to hide in the rock work all the time and in fact i thought i had lost the fish because i hadn't seen it for months 
And then um, one day I saw it kind of like poke its head out and race out and try to grab some food. It was like pretty much a white yellow tang because it was not getting any light. And then, um, so this went on for like a couple of months and I was like, what am I going to do? I can't, how do I catch this thing? And how do I get it out of there? I'd have to completely rip apart the reef and the, you know, I had tons of corals and it was like that, it was not, not, not even a possibility. And, uh, then one day, you know, I always put, um, the, um, uh, what's the, uh, the green stuff, um, uh, the leaf, nori? Yes, nori into the tank. I always put my hand in with, uh, some nori to feed the tangs and, and this tang shot up and and started feeding on it a little bit and it got very close to my hand i was like wow that's amazing because the purple tang was the other side of the tank i was like wow this is just amazing behavior and then um i did that again a couple of times and i think i saw him trying to like poke his head out of the rock you know it looked like he was trying to get a little bit more uh, brave so uh then um soon thereafter i did that exact same thing and he came right up to me and i cupped my hand and he went inside of my hand and i lifted him out of the tank and walked him into the frag tank room and dropped him into another uh, it was like a cry for help you know he just was like save me so it's it's yeah it's stories know. like that you know and your story about fishing your feet coming down you know the stairs it's just it's amazing you know these are um these are amazing creatures that we have such um you know we're so fortunate to be able to to keep them and watch them and study them and enjoy them you know, um, it, it, they they actually know that they can cry for help and will be there to help them because they do. <clears throat> in the um, in in the video of the shop, you saw when we first walk in on the left side, we have that 500 gallon peninsula system. So Ahmed said, you know, let, let's put two powder blues in there together. So for about two weeks, the powder blues were doing great together. And then one day, man, one of the powder blues said, I don't want you here no more. And beat the living daylights out of the other Ugh. powder blue. We were able to put our hand inside and the powder blue said, take me. Similar thing. And we were able to take it and put it back in the fish system, torn fins and everything. That. So, you know, they asked for help and... You know, it's our responsibility to help them anyway. I got uh, just wanted to read a couple of comments in the chat here. Chris C. Um, is referring to you, Tony. I've been up with him very way later than this at Magna. <laughs> he's, he's, it's not surprising to Chris. Um, NB and Berg Reef. Reefers get energy just telling reefer, reefing stories. Yep. Um, Alyssa M. Such an awesome chat, you guys, for... Um, chat you guys thanks for newbies like me love it appreciate that beautiful conversation thank you very much um john right how amazing the reef keeping community is sharing their knowledge and help yep for sure folks um what else tony man you want to uh, point anything else out in terms of uh corals or fish like i said man you you sent me a lot of stuff <laughs> well yes yeah, so no i sent you okay so you know in this hobby, we have gotten caught up with, I won't, you know, and I've heard this from people's mouths. <clears throat> I won't buy an Acropora unless it has three to four colors on it. And it's like, are you kidding me? The, 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 
gorgeousness of some of these corals. Like when you showed that picture of my 265 gallon tank and I said, I can't find staghorn like that anymore. I can't. And I haven't seen it anywhere. Staghorns like that are very difficult to yeah. come by. Do I care if it has three to four colors on it? I'm looking at corals for their beauty, not just for their color. Because, yes, color is impressive. And when you put those blue lights on, man, the colors are just amazing on some of mm -hmm. these corals. Yes, I get it. However, there's more to beauty than just the color. There's the texture, there's the, the shape, um, how it looks. And I sent you a picture of, of Acropora abrotendoides. Yes, I'm showing it now. That, that is so is, cool, man. That, that coral is so gorgeous looking. And it's and brown. I can't find and it's it. Brown. And it's brown, huh? you know? And it's brown. But you know what? Who knows what color it would mm. be in captivity, right? You take these brown. Look, look at the texture of that coral. Look at the structure. So unique. Look at its polyps. I mean, it's... And I took this picture at Tupataha at, I think it was like 35 feet. And the coral, when I saw it, I was like, oh. If it wasn't because I was in a restricted area, I would have fragged it <laughs> and brought home a piece. Because it's just, it's a beautiful acropor. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and we have something very similar that I know we sell. And who knows, it, it may, they may be the same coral. Uh, we sell Robusta, Acropora uh -huh. Robusta. So it's similar to that. But when you look at them both together, you see that they they are different. Um, but that's my number one favorite acropora in the whole world, and it's brown. And you know what? That would be center displayed in my aquarium if I had it, because it's just it's different. different. It's gorgeous. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you. I, I think sometimes the form factor is way overlooked. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? um, there's another coral um, of Favites, uh, branching Favites I sent you. That's another gorgeous coral. Okay, there's... Um... Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, look at that, man. That is kick-ass. Branching. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 So, that's another one of my favorite corals. Um Another one is Australia Gyra. What an amazing coral that is. Did you send too. me a picture of that? And I've kept... Um, you know what? I may yeah. not have. I, 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 I probably did forget to send you that one. Um, Australia Gyra is another one of my favorite corals. But this, this uh, Favites, I've only seen it two or three times in the trade. Gorgeous. Where um, that was a shot in, a, in in your aquarium. Yes, that was actually in the same aquarium with the Terralopus. Oh wow! 
Where did you uh, where did you end up yeah. getting that uh, Pavides? I'm trying to remember where did I get that thing. Um, hmm. I yeah. can't recall. You also you also sent me a whole bunch of pictures. I've just gotten kind of like uh, they were not labeled, and um, I don't know if I should just scroll through some of these things to see uh, what pops up. Yeah, if, if this yeah, if you put it I'll, on. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up it there. It's, it's unnamed, but you'll see it in about 15 because seconds. This is another very unique looking uh, yeah, coral. Now, um, the picture you're putting yeah. now. You know, what is it? You tell me. You see it now? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Okay. So that is silver hynophora. Oh, it! I saw this. Oh, I got another in Tubatown. I got another picture of that at sixty feet. Wow, that is a coral that should be in captivity, and it's not, and it's amazing. That is so unique. It is. It is. Um, I did bring back a branch of that with me um and it it did very well but it was like the the purple monster slow going huh <laughs> slow there it is there that's a uh, look look go back. go back to um no that you you showed the um the close oh, okay uh that's tubataha okay. yeah Oh, that's the same coral. That's it. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll, you'll it see it in a, in a few seconds. Chris from ACI had a silver hydnophora, but it turned blue. <laughs> it did? Mm. Well, tell, uh, Chris, you got to make sure you put that aside for me. <laughs> <laughs> There it is there. That thing is absolutely gorgeous. That is so cool. Yeah. And it's different, you know, and, and, and that's what I look for. You know, so many times you go and see a hobbyist reef aquarium and all of a sudden they're all starting to look the same because they're all keeping mm -hmm. the same exact coral. Yep. You know, everywhere you go, everyone has the green and, and red um, Montepore, green and red Montepore, you know, it, it lost its flavor. Uh, to me, I look at a gem tang and I, to me, it's a black tang with white spots. The yellow tang is much more superior as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I agree. You know? Yeah. I, I know quite a few people who have said, yeah, I have the gem tang now. And now that I have him, He's not the most exciting fish in the tank. Isn't that an awesome staghorn? That. And I could not believe, when I saw it, I said, wait a second. And I, you know, I snapped a picture of it and I was looking at it closer and it's a baby blue all the way through. Just amazing. I'm just um, I'm just scrolling through some of these uh, pictures there, uh, Tony. Some of the pictures that you took on the um, the actual reefs that you dove across, and it's just 
You'll see them come up in a uh, couple of seconds, just coral after coral. You know, and here's, and here's there, look at that. And that's at, okay, so at the very top of this picture is 20 feet. The very bottom of that picture is 80. Really? It slopes down like that. To very Look at that red waters. table. And it's okay. So now, interesting enough, you're looking at this picture, right? You see that red table. This is in Tubataha. Uh, this is Acapora, Florida, by the way, in this picture. I was going to ask you. That's at 90 feet. It's a what? At 90 wow. feet. Yeah. At 90 feet. And now the ones that we get here in the trade they're green they're nice and green but it's it, this is the formation of that that's coral. um Look how that's the shaped. uh i got a frag from um, chris at aci of uh, jake's um the toxic uh florida florida is that how you pronounce it yeah it's florida. florida uh it's bright green insanely green yeah chris says uh, i have so many unique corals and nobody wants them because they don't glow under leds <laughs> Yeah, you see what I mean? But meanwhile, look at the structure of that coral. If you <clears throat> if you were just to let it grow in your aquarium and, and, and don't frag it when it gets a branch, right? Let it grow. Look at how beautiful that coral will turn out. I'm so unique. I'm psyched mm -hmm. about my frag I got from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh... no they get absolutely beautiful they get absolutely beautiful but one of the things I wanted to point out is you look at these reefs uh, these uh, this Tubataha is a protected area so people you know if a boat shows up and it's not introduced to the the, um, the guards that are stationed there there's a station in the middle of Tubataha. Um, and you don't announce yourself. You'll be escorted out by the Navy and the um, Coast Guard. No one is allowed to go there unless they announce themselves and what their intentions are. Typically is to go dive and look at the look at the beautiful coral reef. Um, what uh, one of the things I wanted to point out was you see that. There was no space for more corals to grow. They're all growing on yeah, top of I each other. Yeah, I noticed that. That's how dense these corals, these coral reefs are. And really, you know why those coral reefs are prospering and still doing well? Because nobody's allowed near them, and there's no industry in that area. So the minute you want to put a hotel at the beach, mm. what are you going to introduce to the reef that's next yeah. to it? Pollution. Yeah. So everybody wants to blame this, wants to blame that, but nobody wants to blame the real culprits behind all of this. And it's industry and greed. Really, that's what it comes down to. You look at Bikini Island, where we tested the nuclear bomb, mm -hmm. right? That was 200,000 degrees and it blew out a chunk of the reef, and that water was boiling for months, 
And you go there today, and it's one of the most beautiful coral reefs oh, you've really? seen in your life. Nature always finds a way. You know yeah. what I mean? Rob Upstate, New York, is wondering what year these pictures were taken. Um, so some of them were taken 10 years ago. Some of them were taken four years ago. Um, and I'm doing a trip there soon as well. Is there any um, any issues with coral bleaching in that part of the world? No. That's no. good. It, there's, you know, there's, there's, I don't deny that coral bleaching is, is created by warm waters and things like that. Um, but there's other reasons too, you know, uh, spike your alkalinity in your tank and you'll see some coral bleaching, <laughs> right? And it had nothing to do with the yeah. heat. You know what I mean? So not everything can be blamed on mother nature. We pay, we play a big role in the demise of our reefs. But nobody wants to say nothing because there's big money behind it. Thank you, Reef Exotica by Luis uh, Aceves. Uh, hola, Senior Reef. Beautiful photos. We need a Tony Vargas Reef Photography Masterclass. Sign me up. I'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'll tell you something. Everybody has the possibility of being a great photographer. There's this, I mean, I take pictures with my cell phone. I take pictures with my DSLR, um, you know, and, and there's, but again, if you take a thousand pictures, you're going to wind up with three or four really great pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is great advice because that's what I, I, I always remember when I, I used to take a lot of, you know, when I used to shoot pictures specifically, I mean, now I rarely shoot images. I'm just shooting video and stuff like that. But when I was shooting stills of my corals and my fish it i you know like you said man it was a volume game you just had to take a shit ton of pictures to get uh one or two nice ones uh, especially with a ras ever try to take a picture of a yeah, ras forget about it <laughs> you got to get freaking lucky oh my god <laughs> you you have to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and then bam there's that beautiful one you know and that's the one you put out there to display. Yeah. Typically, I don't put to display my best pictures, no. though. No, the ones that I post on the Internet or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, um, I don't post my best pictures. So I saved that for Bobby. So um, <laughs> you mentioned Instagram. How, how can people find you, man, in terms of uh, social media or getting in touch with you? Facebook, Instagram, how do they find you? Uh, just, Vargas Reef? Um, yeah, Vargas Reef on Instagram and Tony Vargas on Facebook. Okay. Dude, it, uh, it's yeah. approaching 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to let you uh, get some sleep because uh, I don't want to be responsible for uh, completely wrecking your uh, your Friday, which is uh, the start of the weekend there already, right? Or is the, am I wrong? You told me that. Right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Thursday is is a Friday here. Meaning so, that uh, um, that's that's like a yeah. So Fridays and Saturdays are your days off, and you start the week on a Sunday. Yeah, that's different. 
Yeah. So that's why I, I can stay up all night and it's it's not a big deal because I'm going to sleep late. <laughs> I'm going to sleep so in. But you know what's interesting here? Um, what time do you start seeing daylight? What time do I start seeing daylight? Yeah. Uh, so let's say you wake up and it's daylight outside. What time does daylight start? This time of the year, like maybe uh, five o'clock in the morning, quarter to five. Okay. Here is four. Four. Mm. Four o'clock is 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 daylight outside. Wow. So it's full daylight. And it's like it's daylight, and and <laughs> and what's most interesting is because it's daylight outside breaking through the window, through the curtains. And you're like, you open your eye, you go, and you grab your phone, it's four o'clock. <laughs> you know, you still want to sleep till at least seven. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning. Yikes. So, uh, I'm going to be seeing daylight pretty, pretty very, soon. very soon. <laughs> so, dude, yeah. any uh, any, no any parting words, anything you want to leave us with before we... Uh... Well, before we part, how's your tank doing? Great. You know, it's always, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm lucky that I've, I've gotten some really good growth out of my corals and, and what have, you know, there's always something that's going on. There's always some, uh, some issue that you got to uh, deal with, but I'm very happy in terms of the uh, progress of my systems and my tanks. So yeah, it's all good. All right. So what are you monitoring most? Your pH or uh -oh, your now the questions are turning towards me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, uh... Listen, listen, I made a big mistake. All right. And I'm going to own up to it. You were supposed to be in volume two. I don't know how I screwed up. It was all my fault. No, I think. But I, I don't. But however, I'm itching my way to put you in, in the volume three, you know, where you, you should have been in volume two. But anyway. So I start now doing my excavating to see what I get from you so that way I know what I'm going to be putting in the well, book. Well, I, um, so I'm, I'm following the, uh, the Chris Meckley method in terms of, uh, dosing cockwasser. So my, um, I've got some elevated pH in my system because I'm leaning very heavily on, on cockwasser. So, um, you know, my pH ranges for both systems between eight, two to eight, five, you know, and, um, low into the high. So that, um, I think has been a big part of my success in terms of the, uh, the growth of my corals, you know, so, uh, I, you know, it's, it's that, and I look at the alkalinity, I don't freak out if the alkalinity is, um, you know, outside of eight to nine, the eight to nine range that I like, you know, I don't really notice, um, a lot of bad things happening if it goes, um, you know, out, you know, up to 10 or something or down to seven and a half, which one of the systems is down to seven and a half, um, uh, was this morning so yeah i mean those are the two things that i uh that i have been monitoring and a, and a change for me is also um doing icp testing on a regular basis i had never really done that on a regular basis so now i'm doing it every month and and um you know i'm also i'm using um the uh, the captivate aquaculture trace elements so i'm doing uh making adjustments when i see my icp test every month to, to, in terms of what i'm dosing for the trace elements so yeah it's uh seems to be a good formula Okay. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is, is what's old, is what was old is new again. Yeah. We knew this back in the 90s. 
when we were dosing our tanks <clears throat> with just Calquas, yeah. there was no A and B and three part and balling system or nothing like that. It was strictly Kalkwasser. Peter Wilkins created the formula, and we used it. And our tanks, the corals were growing like crazy. Why? Because we kept our pHs above 8.2 all the time. Mm -hmm. And nothing brown jelly. No. And the only time things got to brown jelly was when your pH was below um, 7.9. And we never let that happen. Yep. You know, so now all of a sudden I'm seeing the surge of this again. And it's like, I even told Julian, I said, Julian, you, you, you see how Cutwasser now has all of a sudden the new hero? It's always been the hero. I never stopped using it. Never. In all my systems, I always devoted, like, um, I get people asking me, Hey, that little economical system, you got corals growing like crazy and real fast. What do you do to it? Kalkwasser. I keep my pH at 8.2 or higher. Yep. And um, I put in a little bit of acropower and I, uh, for amino acids and iodine. That is it. That's all that tank Simple. gets. Simple. Yeah. And this is the way it was way back when. And, you know, it seems like people like complicating things, right? But I think um, Chris was is 100% right. Bill Saltwater having you know, uh, the old way is the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's been tried and true for decades. Chris, Chris um, see, I never stopped calking. Calkin. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the way that it's always worked really well. Um, the corals grow thick and strong. Um, but if you're using Kalkwasser and you're at 7.9, then you need to start evaluating your other CO2 issues. Chris from ACI, dose you know? calc and watch the magic happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's and and it's funny how that is the new technique but meanwhile it's been around forever yeah yeah so true you know? man and um i'm glad that you're back on it again yeah i've always um i've always um used it whenever i've had calcium reactors i've always um used it but um what I, what i was doing back years ago and i think the tank that you saw in person i was using it but i i think i had a, a, a calc stir and um so what i'm doing now is i have a um a drum with it and it's and it's in a uh, and it's in a drum so there's nothing that's stirring it up or anything like that so it's not getting diluted through a uh, you know calc stir because i was running my rodi through that the top off of the tank was going through the uh, the calc stir so i think that might have been diluting the uh, solution so maybe it wasn't as potent but but hell man I mean, you know you saw my corals were uh, pretty uh, pretty happy anyway in that tank so um yeah but I don't think my pH was as elevated back then. I don't know, man. It was different because back then I really didn't do a lot in terms of uh, testing. I tested um, the alkalinity, the calcium, the magnesium, the nitrate. I I didn't test phosphate. I know I, I didn't even test magnesium. I just uh, you know was testing. Me yeah. either. So, I you know things look fine. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because even in the shop. I don't test magnesium. 
All I, you know, I walk in in the morning and the, the girls already did the testing on all the systems and they bring me the log and they go, here's the pH for today. And I know it's early in the morning. So the pH is already at 8.2. I know I'm going to get it to 8.4 throughout yeah. the day um, because we have a very good ventilation system in the shop. So I knock out a lot of the CO2. Um, and, and that's important to know your CO2 yeah, levels, yeah. right? Um, your CO2 levels really influence how much you have to dose. And that's one of the chapters in the book um, that I think is very important for people to understand <clears throat> because an average household can hold 1,000 to 1,200 parts per million CO2. And that's very high, right? And that. Well, for for uh, for a reef you know, tank, if you're putting a reef tank in, for, yeah. Oh, right. So now you have a reef tank in that environment. You're dosing your system based on the CO2 levels in the house. Right. Okay. What happens when you go on vacation and you continue dosing the same way, and there's no CO2 levels? I mean, the CO2 levels drop dramatically. No humans. Now yeah. what? Now you're overdosing because your tank isn't absorbing 1,200 uh, 1, parts per million of CO2. It's absorbing 400 parts per million. So that also is an equation that you have to take into consideration when you're dosing your, your yep. aquarium. Yep. No, for sure. Um, yeah. All right, dude. Well, listen, man. This has been, uh, this has been a real fun uh, chat, Tony. <laughs> Really enjoyed uh, having you on, and, and again, really appreciate you uh, you taking the time. Where can the folks find the uh, the books? Um, okay, so right now they can order it through Two Little Fishies, or just um, any of the pet stores that carry the Two Little Fishy products will be carrying the book as well. Okay, and if they want, but you can get. Um, I, you don't have the link for the Two Little Fishies. I can send yeah, it and I'll to put you. it in the video description. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if folks want to visit you in uh, Katar, how do they find you? Oh my God! <laughs> Don't come during the summer, though. Well, they have. <laughs> it's funny because I already have Jeff Turner coming in the next couple of months. He's going to come and hang out with me over here. Nice. You know, so um, yeah, so. You come to Qatar, you just say to the taxi driver, take me to Blue Marine. <laughs> they know where to go. <laughs> they know where to go. Oh, don't just find it on the oh, GPS. It's yeah, nice and there easy. you go. All right, Tony. Well, listen, man, yeah. thank you again so much for uh, for staying up super, super uh, late. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun uh, talking to you again, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. So that's going to do it for this uh, show, folks. And I uh, want to thank Tony again for being on. And I also want to thank both Folk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the uh, live stream. And also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in and participating via the chat. It was, it was great. I also want to give a big thank you to Paul, who's the moderator, as well as the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to the hobby. Also want to let you know that all episodes of Wrap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Wrap on the Reef Bum live stream will be on Thursday, July 27th. I'm not going to be on next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Rocky Elicio, 
who uh, you should definitely have uh, think about that dude for uh, your book there, uh, Tony. He's got an incredible 270-gallon reef tank that was featured in the May-June uh, 2023 edition of Coral Magazine. So that should be another great show. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, uh, please visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until next time, be safe and be well. Later.